everyone and welcome to our first summer podcast. I am Tristan, my pronouns are they, them. I am Lindsay, my pronouns are she, her, and we are a part of UCLA Sexperts, a group of peer educators promoting sexual health, pleasure, consent, and communication at the UCLA campus. So today we're going to be talking about something a little fun, um, deviant sexuality. So not deviant like bad, deviant like different. Well, we'll get into that. Might be a little bad. But the word deviant meaning different. Um, we're going to be talking about just two examples, but there's all sorts of interesting stuff in this subtopic. So Lindsay's going to take it away with our first story. Yeah, so this is a story that I have, I don't want to say loved, but that I have um, been very interested in since I first came across it. So uh, for credit, uh, this story on all the information I got takes place in a little YouTube documentary called Dolphin Lover, The Real Life <laughs> Shape of Water. Um, wow. So this documentary is incredible. They did not come to play in this documentary. It's about 15 minutes long. It's super easy, but the cinematography, the imagery, they even have this custom erotic graphic to describe all the mechanisms of this. Oh, wow. And one of my favorite things that I saw was the top comment on this YouTube video is, I think he probably should have cut this to himself. So I think that's a good primer. Is this a self-produced documentary? No, this this man, uh, it takes, the man is named... Malcolm J. Brenner, he actually has a book on this, an autobiography of his experience with Dolly the Dolphin, and they created, two producers created a short film out of this book. Um, So yes, it's based on a book he wrote himself, and disclaimer, the story is disturbing, it contains elements of bestiality that are disturbing, and also of early childhood sexual abuse, Mm -hmm. so if that doesn't make you excited, I don't know what does. Um... (laughs) I, I'm going to insert, like, a little humor in this because I, I think there is, and but that shouldn't take away from the seriousness of this yes, and yes. the uh, issues with consent that there are here, but I do think that this story can be told in a proper light, and we'll have a conversation afterwards yes, about yes. what this entails and things like that, so let's begin. Okay. The setting. I'm ready. The setting takes place in Florida because, of course, it does. Specifically, it took place in Florida land, which from I got is this sea aquatic park, um, with dolphins, so I think of like a low-grade Sea World, really okay. small dolphin. Like oh, because Florida. you know the great reputation of Sea World. We love Sea World, right? We support Sea. Just kidding. We no, don't support Sea World. We do not sea support Sea World. <laughs> yeah. not endorse support Sea World. <laughs> there goes our our Sea World sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> who who takes place? Malcolm J. Brenner mm-hmm. and Dolly the Dolphin. Dolly the Dolphin. As of now, she has no last name. She's kind of like a Madonna. <laughs> Okay. But Michael J. Brenner does, in fact, have a last name. Yeah. So let's set the scene. It's the early 70s, 1970s. Mm-hmm. Um, and Malcolm J. Brenner was a freelance photographer. He was attending New College and was asked by one of his friends to photograph the dolphins at Florida Land because she was going to write a book. And she wanted some illustrations of these dolphins. So this starts off pretty innocently, right? Mm-hmm. Are you with me? Mm-hmm. So he gets there. Support the arts. Support the arts. Mm-hmm. He gets there, and who else is in the water but Miss Dolly the Dolphin herself? Oh, my God! Okay. Love at first sight vibes? Love at first sight. Okay. No, actually, no. Okay. Dolly was <laughs> the only dolphin outside of the U.S. Navy to work in open water. Her job was to swim alongside the tour boat and perform tricks for fish. So she, like, jumped in the air. She was a working Wait. woman. She performed tricks for fish? Yeah, so, like, the the fish was her motivation. 
Oh, they would I thought fish you meant the, the fish was the audience. <laughs> the fish are not the audience. Okay. It's a scenario. Okay. So what he says, there were no intimations that this dolphin and I would become lovers. Okay. Not love Probably at first sight. because it's a dolphin. I actually have notes here, so it wasn't like love at okay. first sight. Okay. So okay. just to... So this is a meet cute. This is a meet cute. They get in the pool together. Dolly's a little shy at first. Um, Michael, or not Michael, Malcolm. I'm going to call him Michael so many times. I don't know okay. why. But Malcolm, he starts to touch her. Well, maybe because of your notes, he wrote Michael. <laughs> I realize that now. Okay. <laughs> um, he starts to touch her, rubber platonically, as you would a dolphin. Okay, okay. You know, you meet a dolphin. I want to pet this dolphin. Yeah. Smooth. But as he begins to do this, and all this is from his perspective as well. Okay. This is not... This is not an unbiased narrator by any means. This yeah. is an extremely unreliable, but this is the way he says it. Right. He begins to do this, and she starts to move around, and eventually moves over so that his hand is rubbing her, and I uh, quote, genital slit, unquote. I hate that so, so much. So I have a question. Yeah. What do, what's the anatomy of a dolphin's genital? It's just a slit, I guess. Okay. He gets into, actually, the anatomy of the internal vagina of a dolphin later on in this. Okay. Um, so all that, I hate genital slit. It's going to come up a lot more. And also, I'm going to start referring to my vagina slash vulva as a genital slit in the future okay. from now on. Yeah. I don't think it'll be brought up. But in my future endeavors, it's now a genital slit. Okay. Like okay. in your general life. Yeah. Okay. Here I have a note, which is, have you considered not touching her genital slit? <laughs> right. I personally don't think I would touch a, a dolphin's dolphin. genital yeah. I actually might explicitly yeah. be sure not to touch the genital <laughs> slit. If a dolphin shows me her genital slit... I'll be like, work, girl. Work, girl, but, but no. no. I don't have to touch it just because my hand was there. Yeah. Anyways, he <clears throat> continues to work at this place. Um, he claims that her courtship became more rigorous and aggressive, aggressive as time progresses. She would Her courtship. Her okay. courtship. Okay. She is a woman that knows what she wants, and mm. she wants Malcolm J. Brenner. She would rub her genital slit against him. And if he tried to push her away, she would get very angry. Quote, One time she wanted to masturbate on my foot, and I wouldn't let her. She threw herself on top of me and pushed me down to the bottom of a 12-foot pool. So essentially tried drowning him because he wouldn't let her masturbate on, he, on, her, on his foot. Okay. Relatable content. Been there, done that. Yeah, totally. Um, so this is where I inject because this entire time he's claiming that he is in love with this dolphin. It's not lust. It's love. But if it is love... How are you going to excuse that your girlfriend tried drowning you because she wouldn't let you masturbate on her foot? That's well, a red flag. like a really fundamental flaw in his logic, which yeah. is that it's a dolphin. Yes. But let's, <laughs> let's, let's set that aside okay. and say that we are in love. If, if, if your girlfriend tries drowning you because you won't let her masturbate on her, her foot. That's probably not a great relationship. That's a big red flag. She should probably go to therapy. She should. But in this case, it's, she's it's a dolphin. A dolphin so. <laughs> so anyways, he excuses it and says that she became very gentle with him, which is love bombing. Let's talk about that. Tries drowning him and then all of a sudden he's gentle. This is an abusive relationship. Oh my god! So she would run her teeth along his arm as a sign of affection, which produced an amazing erotic feeling for him. That was a quote from him. She said, he thought it was her way of saying, look, I am very strong, but I am not going to harm you. Mm -hmm. Great. So now we take a little, oh, yeah, do you want to inject? Well, I just feel, I, I feel as if, if you've ever been in a pool or a hot tub with a lover, the wet on wet, like, feeling mm -hmm. on your skin yeah. is quite erotic. Yeah. Um, so I suppose if you are, this is advice for the listener. Yeah. If you are swimming with dolphins and you start to get turned on, maybe stop swimming with the dolphins. Swim away. Swim away. 
take a break. Yeah. That's it. Cool that's, down my, a that's my introduction. <laughs> nice. Okay. Yeah. So we're taking a little back turn. Back to Michael's, not Michael, Malcolm's <laughs> childhood. This okay. is where it gets a little sad. Mm-hmm. It's very fun, but I will still, mm-hmm. this will still be a little comical because that's the way we deal with pain okay. and sorrow here. So this makes a lot of sense because as we know as experts, a lot of deviant sexual behaviors begins in the childhood. And to say that is not like you can also have trauma and have yeah. a, a fun quote unquote normal ooh, sorry, oh. more, quote unquote normal sex life. Yeah. Like, not everyone that experiences yes. trauma as a child has deviant, but that often is where it stems yes. from. Yes. Or it just conditioning itself. Yes. So he claims that he always knew his sexuality wasn't different. He first realized this when he was sexually attracted to animals, when his father took him to wasn't see... Diff- wasn't, was different. Yeah. Okay. He realized he was sexually attracted to animals when his father took him to go see the Disney movie, The Shaggy oh, Dog, which okay. he said, strangely enough, he found himself getting an erection at five, year old, at five years old in the movie theater. Okay. So, he claims he's a zoophilist, which is different than a bestialist. Bestia- bestiality and zoophilia is basically what's competing against each other, which means uh-huh. he formed romantic connections to uh-huh. animals as a pu- opposed to purely sexual. That's very interesting. That's, it is very interesting. will come up in my story Okay, as well. love yeah. that. So the first sexual encounter was when he was 12 year old, 12 year old, and he tried having sex with his family dog, Miss Clavel. Okay. What a name. Okay. Fortunately for me, it was unsuccessful. Miss Clavel was not having it. She descri- he described it as a very embarrassing incident because he was rejected by his family dog. Okay. So he, he mentions that it he didn't have a lot of success with women and Dolly the dolphin was the only woman slash dolphin that ever <laughs> showed, that ever showed him any sign of attention. Okay. So he became automatically attached. And then this is the sad part also, which is he just kind of throws this in there randomly, mm-hmm. like it's not even the main part of the story. But he suffered physical and sexual abuse at the hands of a psychiatrist, and he oh said this fear of like sexual contact with humans kind of turned him towards having this like romantic relationship with animals instead because they became like a secure safe place for his sexual desires absolutely so i think that's maybe where this started Mm -hmm. which makes not me sympathetic to his cause but i can understand it a bit more with that context it is interesting because there are a lot of people that find a lot of security in their pets yeah um, or in being around animals but this is like a whole other level yeah this is a whole other level so now we're going back to the story okay this is the climax of the story yeah literally and figuratively Okay. I wrote that on my notes and I was so proud of myself. Yeah, okay. very clever. Yeah, thank you. But it's too disturbing for me to really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, you can giggle inside. Okay, <laughs> one one cold day. Well, everyone <laughs> was inside the day. trainer's hut. He decided to make his move and pursue sexual intercourse with Dolly the Dolphin. He claims that during this interaction, she was very passive and he couldn't do it because the water was too cold and he was too nervous. She was passive. Yeah. So she was... She was with it. She, was, she wasn't like into it. She was just not... Like, because dolphins yeah. are very strong. I, yeah, I think when he describes passive, he meant that she was willing. Okay. But mm. passive is probably not the right word to use word for that. interesting word to use, but yeah. If I'm constructing a story to make me seem, you know, like, like I, I did I probably would use willing. Assault as, as, as animal? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyways, the end. No, I'm, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> okay. I put that in my notes, too. I thought okay. that was a little funny. Yeah, hilarious. I wish the story ended there. It yes. doesn't. He tried again. Yeah, of Florida Land was being sold off. It was shut down. Probably. How long have they been courting each other? I, he didn't give us he a time period. I assume a couple period. months okay. or okay. maybe a couple weeks. But Florida, they met at the peak of Florida Land's um, fun and now Florida Land's shut down. I okay. don't know why, but they did. So all the dolphins have been shipped off to other locations except for Dolly and this other male dolphin. So now we're here where I'm going to start quoting him. Okay. Because 
there's some great quotes here. Okay. Um, we engaged in a very long courtship that lasted half an hour. I don't know if half an hour is long. Courtship. That yeah, lasted it's half an hour. Wait, so sex? Yeah, he says courtship. He when he re- refers to Dolly Dolphin, he uses like make love because courtship. Earlier, it said their court. He said their courtship begun. Yeah, I assume they were dating. I think he's referring to his the, the sexual. Okay, courtship. well, to be fair, mm-hmm. half an hour maybe not super long mm-hmm. for human on human sex. Yeah, yeah. But when you're um. I'm going to go ahead and use the word assaulting mm-hmm, an a dolphin, animal that yeah. probably doesn't want to be having sex mm-hmm. with you. That's a good run, a, I, I guess like. I don't have the stats on dolphin average dolphin sex time. And but, I yeah. also don't know, like, is there? can you even do foreplay? And further, does he even care to do foreplay? Well, let me tell you what. There okay. is some pillow talk coming up in okay, the story. great. So he wait. says that she was very cooperative, gentle, and ext- enormously erotic. And they played a couple games before engaging in penetrative sex. So there was some foreplay. I don't know what games. Like, would she play with, like, hula hoops? Like, yeah, I'm like, well, do- like, jump the, through this yeah. hoop. She's, yeah. The flaming hoop. I, I don't know what games they were. <laughs> I don't know what games they were playing, but they were playing some games. All right. So he said they had to try many different positions until it worked. And then the documentary goes on to display a very erotic, artistic display of what position it was that that Dolly and Michael, or sorry, Malcolm, engaged in sexual intercourse. He described it that she was laying horizontally on her back and he was vertical. You have to watch the documentary to see this. Honestly, the depiction of this is um, probably the best thing that I've seen. The fact that they had to pay someone to do a graphic of this, an animation. Wow. And they made it, like, strangely, like, artistic. Okay. With, like, beautiful, like, universal music going in the back. So, (laughs) he said... Female dolphins are a bit more complicated. A female dolphin's vagina is a bit more complicated than that of a woman's. Um, there are valves for waterproofing. So there goes that connection to what it, the difference between a, a... What do you mean waterproofing? This is waterproofing valves in it. So it feels a bit different, I guess. So it's not wet? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Continue. Anyways, as we he said, as we started to make... Having food, sex underwater, penetrative sex underwater is difficult... Because uh, the the water removes, like I don't know how to explain it, but it's hard to get things moving because it's like no, yeah, no, exactly. I don't know how to explain it. You, you have to ask Malcolm, it. honestly. I don't want to. Okay. But... Well, I guess we'll never know. Okay. Okay. So as I well, s- I'm just thinking, like generally logistically, having intercourse with humans is difficult underwater. Yeah. So like, this isn't ideal circumstances regardless yeah no i agree with that okay okay so as he started making love this is my favorite quote of the entire documentary Mm -hmm. i memorized it at one point Mm -hmm. my ex-partner did not find it funny Mm. anyways he said as we started making love i felt a sense of merging with her on every level emotionally mentally physically spiritually it's really like we stopped becoming two individual creatures and became one creature that was making love with itself I have never experienced such intense intimacy. It felt transcendental. It felt cosmic. Wow. Do you love it? I love it. I can confidently say I've never experienced that. No one has ever said that about me. No. And later on in the documentary, they go on to say that he's a daughter. And I want to quote this again. Never experienced such intense intimacy. If I was the person of which he created a daughter He has a daughter, a daughter with, so he has been having sex with humans. Yeah. Poor daughter. And he wrote a book. And yeah. Like he was, he, the, mm, okay. So okay. if I was his like partner, 
And he quoted, I've never experienced such intense intimacy, and I know that a dolphin took my place. I wonder if he is allowed to see his child. I think he is. Okay. He is. So, he said that, as I climaxed, Dolly groaned with a rising intonation of three squeaks. So, he also believed that she climaxed as well. And afterwards, this is the pillow talk, they embraced and stared into each other's eyes for a couple minutes with her flippers on his shoulders in okay. the corner of the cage. Definitely squeaked because she was having an orgasm, not because yeah. there was a man. Well, that brings me into this next, his argument for why it's okay. Okay. This man has wrote a book about it. Yeah. This man even claims that he has no moral or ethical judgments about this instance and still doesn't. So he has really justified it in his head. And let me tell you what his okay. arguments are. Okay. So up until this point, like I said, I could be sympathetic to this man, mm-hmm. knowing that these deviant tastes came from ch- early childhood abuse. Mm-hmm. Not anymore. Mm-hmm. Here, here's why. Mm-hmm. One of his main arguments is that, and he, I'll show you how this relates, is that interracial sex 100 years ago was considered a crime, and that bestiality and zoophilia may follow that same thing. So, oh my god. That's such a slippery slope. Why like, would you say like, that? What's next? Like, pedophilia? Yeah. Like, that's not... Mal- well, the, I think the pedophilic community also says the same thing. I know. Because yeah. they say, like, if you... And this is off topic, but if you look at the brain scans of a pedophile, you can actually see that it's in... Like, they have different brain structure. Yeah. So they think it's more of a mental illness, but I... Let's not get into that. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah, that's so... A, that's a podcast for another day. So... Malcolm, do not. Malcolm, stop. <laughs> yeah. How do you say that out loud and not correct yourself? He's comparing, you know, sex with animals to, like... Interracial inter- sex. Interracial sex. I mean, this is a white man, yes. Yeah. yeah. So, then this next argument is when he says people claim that he raped the dolphin, which I'm sure he has gotten a lot. He says she could have outswam him if she wanted to. Does that sound familiar? She could have run. She could have screamed. Yes. So, and if it was rape, she could have hid behind the male dolphin in that instance, but instead she made the conscious effort to, quote, slip through some boards and come into the enclosure and actively sought him out. So he says he still has no moral or or ethical issues with it to this day. I do not doubt that Dolly the Dolphin enjoyed him and enjoyed, not like sexually, (laughs) but just like enjoyed him as a person. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that I... I mean, my my personal belief is that an animal is not capable of consenting because they do not have, like, the same mm-hmm. conscious brain structures yeah. as we have um, no. and also can't communicate. Exactly. We'll get into that because that's my discussion at the end because I want to I wanna get your uh, take on that. Okay. Okay, so the ending. Okay. It's a tragedy. The ending, this is not a rom-com, as you may think. This is a tragedy. This is the, <laughs> This would be the plot of a rom-com. He made it... The way that he tells the story makes it seem like a rom-com. He had the meat cute. He has, you know, like, so this is the ending. And try not to shed a tear. So they both, he claims that they both form an emotional connection. He was convinced that Dolly was also in love with him from the way that she behaved towards him. So this is where he starts to tear up in the documentary. He has to take a little break. Oh, they interviewed him. Yes, he's being interviewed during this thing. He says, one morning in June, he woke up from a nightmare that involved a dolphin dying in this very dark basement-like setting. And he woke up and couldn't breathe and had this overwhelming sense of doom. And a few days later, he found out that Dolly the dolphin had died. Yeah, yeah. well, and it's a dolphin. It's a dolphin. Well, later on, he I mean, drove... it's sad, but they have yeah. short lives, right? Well, well, this is the tea. Okay. Later on, he drove to Mississippi and found out this, like, aquarium where Dolly was held. 
and he realized that there's a lot of similarities between his dream and the environment in which she died. So I think he believes that they had sort of sort of psychic connection going mm, on. Okay. But the trainer said that she wasn't old enough. She didn't die by old age. The uh-huh. trainer said that one day she stopped feeding and just died. And according to uh, Malcolm, a dolphin's breathing is voluntary. So every breath a dolphin takes, they have to think about. Mm-hmm. So one day they can just lose the will to live and die. And I also saw in the YouTube comment section that if a, me- like a dolphin's separated from their mates, sometimes they'll just commit suicide because of heartbreak. Do dolphins stay mate for life? I don't know. <laughs> okay. I saw it in the YouTube section, and that's what he's kind of claiming here. Okay. He claims that she died of a broken heart. Oh, God. When they were separated, she just couldn't live without him. I'm curious what possibly the the medical impact of having semen inside of her body could have been. I think this <laughs> I think this was like a few Yeah, a I'm few, just yeah, curious, yeah. but we'll write that down one for we'll write that question down. Okay. We'll find a scientist. We'll find a, just a scientist. <laughs> I don't know if they've done any experiments on the impacts of human semen in dolphin. And let's vaginas. keep it that way. Yeah, I yeah. think that's good. Okay, so he says he feels responsible for her death and feels like he should have emotionally been there for for her more than he was. How? <laughs> That's my, how are you emotionally present for a dolphin? What does that mean? Anyways, it ends with a a freeze frame and words saying like what he's doing today, you know, that type of trope. So he retired and currently lives in in the West Coast of Florida, probably searching for more dolphins. Um, He has a daughter, which Mm -hmm. we talked about. What? Was this daughter born post Dolly? I don't know. Probably because it seemed like this was younger and it's younger years. I mean, I hope that that means that he... I don't even know. I don't know either. And today he's advocating for the humane treatment of marine life. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) What a story. All right. So the discussion. So let's get into it. So there's two sides of the spectrum here within the sexuality community. There's debate regarding the morality and ethics of it. So one is the dominant view that, oops, that bestiality falls notion that Every sex with an animal is non-consensual because Uh they cannot engage in consent because they cannot. They need to be conscious, fully informed, and positive in their desires, which humans are unable to do. I would say that's my take as well. That's my take as well. On the other hand, defenders of bestiality such as Ophelia, such as Malcolm J. Brenner, says that um, consent is subjective when it comes to animal welfare, given that there are many legal practices such as slaughtering, laboratory testing, artificial insemination of animals. Okay, but saying, well, they do lab testing, yeah. so it's okay for me to fuck, fuck a, a dolphin. dolphin. Like, yeah, it doesn't check out. I don't out. think that lab testing is a great it doesn't check out either, although there's a very complex ethical yeah. debate around of, that. Also, of yeah. cultural relativism that gets into that. Yeah. But also others say that you animals can consent because they initiate sexual encounters, such as with Dolly, you know, getting her genital slit rubbed. So many zoophiles claim that it's not abusive, and many are even animal advocates, like such as Malcolm. So in my opinion, no, dear God, no. I understand the point of cultural relativism because there are cultures that accept having sex with animals as as consensual, and as we know, consent is yeah. relative. So we're talking about in an uh, American in American culture, yeah. but at the same time, that is how all of our abuse is informed by our culture. So are we looking at this in a in a warped American But it's very vision. interesting, right? Because mm-hmm. dogs will rub up on you. Yeah. And people will go, oh my God, ew, and run away. So it's like in that case, the dog is initiating a sexual contact and the human not giving consent matters. Yeah. What about when the role is reversed? Well, yeah. The human does the initiation. Yeah. The animal doesn't have, or the, sorry, yeah, the animal doesn't have the language to... Exactly. Yeah. My yeah. opinion is that even if there are rare circumstances where an animal can give consent, 
which I don't even think is a necessary, because in order to give consent, you have to communicate. Other than, other than that, you're assuming based mm-hmm. off an animal. You can't communicate. You don't. You can't get that consent. Mm-hmm. But in rare cases, say that that's null and that that makes sense to people. Say that in the rare circumstance where you can, and it's just, what you can't make it legal. You can't do that because the, more than not, you will never have a scenario where an animal can give consent. It requires communication. We don't even speak the same language. So that's my opinion on it. But I wanted to present the other side because this is a story yeah. of the other side. And one fact that I found super interesting was one of the studies in the 1940s found that nearly 50% of boys raised on a farm in America experienced at least one sexual encounter with an animal. I would say that makes sense because this is another sexual deviance, which yeah. is we've talked about before, the prevalence of of incestual encounters in early life. When yeah. you're just you're just trying to like figure out what's going on with your yeah. body and stuff. So that that doesn't fifty percent yeah. is higher than I would have. I've guessed. I've heard issues with the study, um, but it's a lot more than we think, especially if you live in rural areas of the country. Mm-hmm. So it may not even be like as cultural relative as we think. It might be more widespread, but just with a lot of stigma around it. Mm-hmm. But also what it really much what you said, zoophilic disorders are only diagnosed if the sexual attraction continues after adolescence. Oh, okay. So that so this is a full thing. So my question, the thing I want to have you, which I, you've already answered, is: Is this consent? What do we think about Malcolm? Can dolphins give consent? Some argue that some animals can't give mm, consent, but if mm. any animal can, it can be a dolphin because they're so smart. It's interesting. I think it's just a safer bet to have sex with consenting adult humans. That is a safe if bet if you're an adult yeah. human. Um, so no. Yeah. Um, and I also think it's very interesting that he's stuck to his guns mm-hmm. so much and yeah. really doubled down and to the degree of even writing an autobiography. Yeah. If I was in his position, I'd say, listen, I had sex with a dolphin and I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't, you don't write a book about it. Yeah. But, And yeah. it makes me scared for his kid. Not that he would hurt his kid, yeah. but like. I don't know. Co- I see where I see why it happened. I see this. I see he's justifying this head, but the cognitive dissonance, like dissonance, is very concerning. Like, did she kill herself because she was separated from her long lost lover? Or did she kill herself because she was a victim of rape? You made a very good point that there that it was a very biased telling yes, of the yes, story, we can't and trust you can, the part of the problem mm-hmm. is that you can't hear the other side because she's a dolphin. a dolphin. So is there <laughs> consent there? No. No. Sexpert says no. no. Or like, just Lindsay and Trish say, say no. no. <laughs> um, okay. I'm going to, should I do mine? I would love to hear yours. Okay. So I'm talking less about a story and more about a phenomena. Love to hear will, it. Which is objectum sexuality or yeah, objectum sexuality or OS. Um, so this is sexual and romantic attraction to objects turned um it's mostly there's like a community Mm -hmm. online what's a romantic attraction to an object Mm, okay so like taking it out to dinner mm, okay we're gonna get (laughs) into this we're gonna get into this so um these are usually i'm gonna start by saying these are usually polyamorous so people will have multiple Multiple objects objects in their life they're progressive yes very progressive yeah also the objects have genders and a lot of the people in this online community are women everybody I watched a couple documentaries it's all women and um they seem to date both female and male objects so not as progressive with their gender ideals they have to gender their objects this is true okay but I don't know because these documentaries are from 2008 so maybe modern maybe there's non-binary objects now but they did say I have a quote um that they don't 
um, use the word it because it positions the object as an enemy, quote unquote. Um, so rather they get a feel for the gender of the mm -hmm. object or in the case of um, the Eiffel Tower is called like the Maiden of France or the ma something like yeah, that. Yeah, so yeah. then she's like, well, it gendered itself, yeah. which a human made up that name, yeah, but yeah. whatever. I don't think she created... So I was assuming that it would be like, you don't want to use it because it objectifies an object. That's what I thought too. But it's the too. enemy, the object I actually the enemy. had to... I was watching this with my roommate. Yeah. I had to be like, did she just say enemy and go back and okay, rewatch it? Okay. There was no con like okay, details got given. It. Okay. And then I want to say this quote because you asked about the romance. We're not talking about fetish here. I love him as a mate, says mm. Amy. Mm -hmm. And one of the one of the women in the documentary is several of them are married to the objects. One of them has it in her backyard and like will go and eat dinner with this object. The romantic connection. Yeah, and it's... Okay, so this is an interesting thing about you said there was a psychological connection mm -hmm. with the dolphin. Somebody... In the documentary, they say that there is a... The human will speak to the object mm -hmm. and the object will speak back telepathically. Beautiful. I am going to say the, do the documentarian said this, yeah. not one of the people... And sometimes documentaries can be a little bit inflammatory. So, can I foreshadow? Is is one of the stories you're gonna bring up a case of a crossbow? There is a crossbow. Have okay. you heard of this? I have heard of it. Okay, so I want to make sure I'm not missing anything. Yeah, they feel there's reciprocal mm -hmm. love. This is not I'm in love with this object. This is me and this object are in love together. It's mutual. There are people who are in love with objects in their home, okay. and then also like public objects so like the eiffel tower which or the berlin wall mm. um in this documentary there's two of the interviewees are both in a relationship with the berlin wall that's a, that's a problematic object to be in love with it's there's a whole yeah Got they it. get in a fight with somebody at the berlin wall museum okay because she's like this is yeah it's controversial i'm excited okay well i'm not really gonna talk about that because it was kind of unrelated it was like the woman was arguing that her childhood trauma was as bad as the conflict in Berlin. Oh. Anyways. Okay. So I first heard about this on a clip from My Strange Addiction years ago on YouTube. And this was a woman um, named Linda, I think, who was married to a Ferris wheel named Bruce. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. It's a very short clip. So I then went on to watch a documentary about several different women. I think the documentary is called I Married the Eiffel Tower. Oh, I think I've seen a clip of it. Yeah, and I've watched it several times now. So Erica Eiffel, um, mm -mm. who I think goes by Aya. Did she take the last name of the Eiffel Tower? I think so. Which, wouldn't the last <laughs> name be Tower? Tower. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so she's had relationships with many objects over her life. She's a world-class archer, and she was in a long-term relationship with her beau named Lance. Yes, yes. Yeah. I've heard and of her. And they won world champions. Yes. And then their relationship ended, and, and she stopped doing so well. That's why I was connecting this, like, the psychic relation, because it seemed like they really had, like, a, like a, a mental, physical... Very, yes. Yeah. Um, and she better. also, she, well, so she had childhood trauma as well. She was... In foster care, mm -hmm. and she went to the army, and she was molested as yeah. a child. Um, and she went to the army, and she fell in love with a sword. 
which there's some very erotic pictures of her with the sword. That one I can get behind more so. Swords are kind of hot. Yeah. Um, so then she later committed to the Eiffel Tower in a non-legal matrimony. And let's... The Eiffel Tower is a public yeah. building. So yeah. the video of her wedding, there's like people, tourists. Yeah, the Eiffel about. Tower. Yeah. Yes. They're the guests. Um, she also is in relationships with the Berlin Wall and the Golden Gate Bridge at the time of this documentary. Um, but the public, the public like placement of these objects makes it hard to have sexual relationships. Yeah. So she and several others create models or buy models mm-hmm. of the object to keep in their home for their purposes of sex and I assume intimacy as well. That's why she was at the Berlin Wall Museum because I think they were trying to buy her models off of her because they're like really high level models that she's using. They're, they're her muse. Yeah. They're her muse. Yeah. Okay. She said in an interview, I believe it was a either Huffington Post or Gar- uh, I think it was Vice, that she um, is no longer with Eiffel, mm. Eiffel comma or Tower comma Eiffel. Okay. Um, because quote unquote, our relationship ended many years ago after the media sexualized and sensationalized my story to the point where I was no longer as welcome as I had been. Well, is that is that. The tower's fault? Why do they have to break up? That seems like the media. Well, that fault. is a bit of a confusing yeah. thing because another person who's in the documentary named Amy um, talked about the seven-year curse or whatever, which yeah. is a thing in human relationships, human on human, okay. where your relationships always end after seven years, I guess. And she was saying that happened with her relationships with the objects, but I don't know how... Because it's not just that this one person stops having attraction to the object because they are saying it's a mutual mutual thing. Okay. So a couple different things. So there is also a correlation with trauma. Um, Both of the people in the documentary that did talk about their childhoods had had difficult childhoods with... um, you know, family problems and uh, assault and stuff like that. Amy used to be in a relationship with the Twin Towers. Um, so there's a lot of very politically, like, fraught Before stuff. or after. Before. But you can imagine. She it's really devastating. It's really hard. Because in the documentary, Amy and the, a, Ava... Uh, Mrs. Eiffel, yeah. they went to, or maybe former Mrs. Eiffel, I don't know if they got a divorce. Yeah. They went to New York and they were like, oh my God, there's so many sexy things here. Yeah. Amy goes to visit her love, the Empire State Building, and is kissing the building, mm-hmm. which I have been to New York, that is, can't be sanitary. Yeah, no. And a security guard kicks her out, so it's very sad. PDA is your only option. Yeah. Um, and she goes to visit the memorial, and you know, the Twin Towers Memorial, and it's very emotional for her so this is the death of her former lover yes okay which there's some i just it's a little that you know a lot of people lost their human yeah family yeah so it's it's just incredibly unfortunate yes to pick that building out of all buildings yeah i think that twin towers were like a huge oh yeah thing. i i wasn't born i was i was i mean i i was a baby a year, yeah. yeah but like yeah, I guess there's because a, a lot to be of the with. objects that they are attracted to. Some of them are more like the bridge near my house, but a lot of them are like these 
iconic yeah. building. Do you think that, and this is just a theory, but do you know how the like the evolutionary theory of like women is that they're more attracted to status and material wealth is why they go they're more attracted to like these objects that are big and have all this cloud and sensation with them? That's interesting. So I think this is just my opinion. Mm-hmm. There, it might be the representation. Yeah. Because think about how some men talk about cars mm. and boats. Like some men seem like they want to fuck their cars. Yeah. Like there, not there to is a not man. to essentialize yeah. men and women, but yeah. no. There's an episode of My Strange Addictions where this man has sex with his car. I also saw a like a thumbnail for a man who's attracted to balloons. So I think it might be also that like the online community is yeah. mostly women. Well, can I pose you a question? Pose me a question. Is rubber, latex, uh, fetish, is that an object fetish? Wow. See, that's, I think the distinction is be, between fetish and uh, and objectum sexuality is the, the aspect of love and togetherness mm-hmm. and partnership mm. rather than maybe masturbating with an object. So this balloon man loved his balloons. I didn't watch it. Okay. I we'll we'll get method out. Yeah. We can yeah. watch it together. Okay. Um, is Yeah. It was also my strange addiction. Okay. So there's a big... I kind of believe that in the case of trauma, it's better to... Like, this is not harming anyone. Mm-hmm. This is not... You're not fucking a dolphin. Yeah. So I kind of think it's better to have, like a harmless, somewhat healthy sexual contact with these objects rather than something that's more harmful. Although perhaps maybe this isn't the best coping mechanism, but I'm really not one to say. Like it doesn't the people in the documentary, they seem perfectly fine. Like yeah. a little a little yeah. abnormal, I guess, but like Whatever. I've probably been in much worse relationships with a human than yeah. some of these people have been maintained with an object. The objects do seem to, like, hurt them, and I think that's the aspect of the telepathy is, yeah. like, there is, like, a deep personification of these objects happening. It's, it's like, an act of narcissism, almost, because everything oh, they're projecting on the object is just them. You know how all of your dreams mm. are just you? That's so interesting. That's so interesting. I thought our dreams were, like, also everyone else that we've ever met. True, but all of your dreams are created by your own mind, so anything you're interacting with is just yourself. That's true. So in this scenario, they're just projecting their thoughts on an object and then automatically believing it, saying that's what the object's thinking. But is it harmful? I pose you a question. Is it harmful if it's bringing them joy? And they seemed so happy when they met up, the two Mm -hmm. two documentary subjects, and they were, like, talking about their loves together and... No, I, yeah. I don't. I don't think so. I think if if this is a genuine, fulfilling mm-hmm. relationship, and you feel fulfilled in your sexual life, if that's what you're about, or if you're fulfilled in your romantic life by this object, then who who are we to say? Right. Reality's so subjective. Be in love with the Eiffel Tower. Why not? Right. So there's this aspect of pathologization, which I think you kind of just got into a little bit. The documentary definitely blamed the trauma. The mom of one of of Amy even said like. Amy thinks she was born like this, but I think it was a coping mechanism to deal with all the things that happened to her. Um, So there's this study out of England, a team of psychologists and neuroscientists um, studied one of these, well, they sourced their subjects from one of these online communities, which I think is important to note for like result bias Mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, 
So they found that their group of objective sexuals had higher rates of both autism-related traits and, um, I'm going to say this wrong, synesthesia. I didn't say that Oh, wrong. synesthesia. That's when you, your senses are linked to yeah. different senses. So for autism-related traits like social skills, attention to detail, imagination, communication, they said autism was likely 14 to 30 times more likely in their OS group than in their control group. Okay. And then they also found a strong relationship between OS and synesthesia, uh, which is the experience of senses interacting. So, like, music would have taste mm-hmm. or words would have color. I have a rare um, form of synesthesia. You do. I give all my numbers little personalities. But I'm not sexually attracted to these numbers. I'd like to do make that known. people... No. People's personalities numbers? Mm-mm. Just the numbers have personalities. That's like, seven is objectively sexy in my head. But not in that way. But, but he's, like, he's like a cool guy. Okay. Okay, okay continue. Um, they propose that the synesthesia may contribute to the personification of the objects. Um, Am I at risk for this? <laughs> I don't know, babe. Okay. Maybe keep your eye out. For an object? If you ever feel like you want a fucking object, A. It's okay. You can totally do yeah. that. And B. You can text me. I'm here to talk to you. I'll text you. you about it. Um, and then they also made an interesting connection, which um, there's a lot of social stigma here. Mm-hmm. So people, if people are neurodivergent, mm-hmm. um, they might be further stigmatized. And personification is also a result of loneliness. Okay. Because you get lonely, you need, like, kind of how some people get really attached to their pets. Yeah. You get really attached to a stuffed animal. A dolly the dolphin. Uh, Sure. Um, And this is like another level of that, um, which is interesting because Amy was talking about at the time when she was in love with the Twin Towers, Mm -hmm. there was a lot of things going on in her personal life and it helped her with her suicidal tendencies. Okay. So that's like, I would say my summary of it. There was a couple things I found interesting, which was comparing this sex, because they have sex with these objects, to masturbation. Mm -hmm. Because I would think of, um, if I were to use an object for sexual pleasure, for me Mm -hmm. it would be masturbation, because I'm not having a connection with this object. Um, And they also talk about having foreplay and cuddling and stuff like that. Maybe like the games. I don't even want to compare them because I feel like this is so harmless in comparison. No, yeah, it is. But I do see some parallels. Um, And it doesn't feel like solo sex, right? It feels like they're engaging with this other thing. I mean, that's such Um, a philosophical question of like, what makes something masturbation? Because if it's just like not not a connection to whatever you're having sex with, like could you masturbate with a person Person. of which you are not connected to i like to use the word solo sex because that's what it feels like to me um because it's still an experience and i almost feel like masturbation like minimizes how good it can be i I like Um, that distinction yeah but that's a really good question i know i sometimes have felt like it doesn't even feel like I'm with another person if it's, like, yeah. really not good. No, the, the issue with figuring this out is it's sex versus masturbation. Is it, it seems like a surface-level question, but it's so philosophical. And I think that's a, you could also apply this question to the dolphin because a lot of... We often say in sex mm-hmm. words that assault or rape is not sex. Yeah. And if this case, what does, it ma- what does that make it? It's yeah. not masturbation, right? It's Mm-mm. just rape. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What a question. What a question. 
Um, so I guess my one thing as a sex educator was like, I don't know what the standards are for safety mm-hmm. with this kind of sex because like there are clips of them like going to public buildings or like um, carnival rides yeah. and like having intimate moments with them. Mm-hmm. And like that just, I would worry about like their vaginal health. Yeah. Or in the case of someone with a penis, their penile health. Do we like know health? if it's always penetrative though? Could it just be a little bit of humping action? I think there's probably humping action because some of the objects cannot be inserted. Such as the Eiffel Tower. Such as the Eiffel Tower. Tower or there's like a, from Eiffel. A, well, that's the thing is she couldn't have sex with the Eiffel Tower. That's why they have the models. Okay. You could very well insert a model of the Eiffel Tower into you. So do they think the model is like an extension of the Eiffel Tower? Well, I was wondering about that person. because... The child of the object? Oh my God. Stop! I mean, it could be... That's what I was wondering is... Are, can, wouldn't you develop a separate relationship yeah. with the model? Because it's yeah. a separate object. Or that's why I'm thinking it's like what you're saying. It's just projecting your own thoughts on any object that suits your needs. Because now the rules are not like same across the board. Not every object is its own person. Now you're only picking and choosing which object is a person and who that person is. Yeah. I don't think I don't think that they say they're people. I think they just... Just say an entity? They're, they... I don't know because... like. Oh, God, it's hard to yeah. say. I don't know. And then, like, sometimes they, like... So, like, Amy carries around a picture of the mm. carnival ride because oh. she doesn't get to see the carnival ride very often. Is it a traveling carnival ride? I don't know. I don't okay. remember the, the details. Long distance, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> they went to go visit it. Okay. Um, so, I guess I'm... I think they're probably kind of coming up with the rules as they go. Okay. Because the person who, like, created this thing, Objectum Sexuality, is this woman who um, married the Berlin Wall. And I believe she lives in Sweden. And I believe she married the Berlin Wall before it fell. Okay. When it was, like, the whole wall. Rough. They keep choosing these objects that are bound to fall. I, well, I wouldn't say the Twin Towers were bound to fall. Do you think anyone would go with the Titanic? That would be devastating as well. I bet that, like, in retrospect, the Titanic was a beautiful ship. The Titanic's objectively sexy. Yeah. I think that (laughs) objects can be, I think that objects and experiences can be sexy. Like, when you're you're cooking something and you flip it and it's perfectly brown. But I'm not going to, like, have sex with it. It's just, like, satisfying. But, I mean, we sexualize... Objects all the time. Sex toys. We sexualize all sorts of stuff. We are sexually attracted to objects in our life. Where, where are we drawing the line at which objects are okay to be sex? Do they have to have sexual perp? Like, it yeah. really is philosophical. You picked a good story. I think I just felt... Thank you. Mm-hmm. I think I felt bad for them not because of their sexuality, but because of how they were represented mm-hmm. in this documentary. And, like, it was kind of a vibe of like less so the long documentary but you know my strange addiction is like very rude yeah and it felt I didn't read the YouTube comments because I didn't even want to know um it felt very like look at these like freaks who are fucking objects but it's like it's like okay like there are people everyone not everyone a lot of people do weird shit in their personal I would claim that most people have had sex with a sex toy that's an object come on and the the archer lady Her, like, archer coach, he was saying, like, when I realized the extent of her love for the 
um, bow and arrow or the bow. Yeah. I thought it was odd, but I respected her a lot as a person and as an athlete. Yeah. And like, that's her business. That's her business. Yeah. End of the day, that's her business. Okay, so Triss's and Lindsay's final opinion. On both, on both subjects. Uh, or just on your subject. Oh, on my subject. What's your final opinion on objectum sexuality? I would say a hard yes. Okay. What's yours? I'm I am generally of the belief that people should do whatever as mm. long as they're not harming yeah. any other living thing. Yeah. So as long as it's not harming. Yeah. Like maybe if there's a situation where like you're married and yeah. you're neglecting your partner, then that can then be, there's yeah. problems there. But that's true. Regardless yeah. of <laughs> whatever's what, going what the on, situation. Yeah, is. So, yeah. I so, say pro. Yes, pro. Fucking the dolphin. Negative. Anti. Anti. We don't like it. Okay. All right. Mixed bag. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> thank you for tuning in. Check out Sexperts at UCLA Sexperts on Instagram. But if you're listening, you probably already knew that. And if we're speaking in the void. Hey boy. <laughs> okay. I've had such a good time with Me you, Lindsay. Too. This has been great. Okay. Been great. Well, I'll listen to it and you'll listen to it. I'll listen to that's two listeners. This is the equivalent of masturbation, but for podcasts. This is audio masturbation. masturbation. Okay. Ooh. Okay. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Bye.